0: Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from his mobile office outside of Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Boyd Burton.
0: What's up, guys? Uh, I'm on my way to Atlanta to do some coach things, like go listen to other coaches speak about the inside zone and blocking techniques and how to set up practice. I'm going to the Glazier Football Clinic, so I'm um, excited about that, and I'm heading down to, uh, to Atlanta.
1: All right, that's uh, that should be a fun weekend for you, Coach, but we would be remiss if we did not introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who is fed up with uh, Android operating system and wants to go back to a flip phone. It's the intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook.
2: Yeah, they, like, updated the interface for text data. It's really weird. It shows everything is unread until I quit the app and then come back in. That's very weird. And also, I am in my mobile office as well. We might get to have a podcast first of simultaneous car accidents while talking football. It's really exciting stuff.
1: Well, hopefully, uh, (laughs) the worst thing that happens is you guys cross state lines at the same time. But anyhow, um, well, today we are going to put a bow on National Signing Day, which went off mostly without a hitch uh, this past Wednesday. But first, we want to readdress the continuing uh, saga and tragedy that uh, happened at Baylor. And it has come out most recently that Art Briles was, in fact, quite aware of what his players were doing. Um, In the most recent text messages that came out um, of the current uh, undergoing lawsuit, it turns out that so he has been uh, quite a a hypocrite in this in this area and has been sort of outed. And it looks like he's not going to be able to coach again. And that's probably uh, for the better right now, as far as I'm concerned. But coach, how would you how would you handle the situation if you were Bryles, knowing that he sort of got caught in a lie here?
2: You just gotta
0: now talk tail and rebuild your image as best as you can. I mean, you have to admit to admit your mistakes now. Admit that you try to cover him up and just and then just let it let it play on. Uh, then you try to find another career. I don't think there's much he can do now. He's gonna get blasted uh, no matter what he does. So you know he's really just kind of stuck in a tough spot.
1: Uh, Josh, I know you and I have talked sort of uh, a bit extensively about everything that's been going on at Baylor, and I know you have some uh, pretty strong contempt for not just uh, Bryles, but the entire athletic department. Well, yeah, the entire university. I mean, I
2: mentioned it that the previous show. We mentioned it previously, and you know, when this whole uh, ball of yarn started to unravel, but uh, don't, let the university off the hook because the, what the football players did was egregious, but they were not the only men on that campus committing rape. It's actually a systemic thing at that university. It's a total failure. In addition to these penalties that Art trials will get professionally, I'm wondering if there's going to be any criminal element to it, but not just with him. The entire university from the president and the board of regents on down need to be held accountable in some way. And if that is professionally aware, they can't be in in an academic environment because as coach knows, as you know, professor, and as I know, because all three of us work in schools in different capacities, we have mandatory reporter. We, We can't get a job if we fail at reporting crimes like this. So as far as I'm concerned, anyone in connection connection with this at Baylor, from Art Riles to the president, et cetera, they have no place in a school environment where there are kids. And I know 18-year-olds don't seem like kids, but they are. I mean, kids are at risk on college campuses, so it's pretty ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not
2: just dealing with political backlash here. You're dealing with the safety of
0: a lot of young ladies and and people that feel like they can't go out outside their doors in in the city of Waco on the campus of Baylor University. And you know, it's 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 a bad thing and it's a bad culture, and if it seeps into the rest of your student body, I mean, that place is going to be a toxic place to go to.
1: Well, you know, it's going to be curious for me to see what the NCAA ends up doing about it. And nothing. I bet it's going to be nothing, but they should get far worse than the death penalty, as far as I'm concerned. What SMU uh, got in the 80s should be well, well, I mean, the absolute like, baseline, but I don't know how, how they could possibly do that with the way that uh, TV contracts are structured.
2: Well, what's so ridiculous is, like, you know, people throw around the death penalty or whatever with SMU. What SMU did was essentially what everyone in the old Southwest Conference was doing, which was just alums having a slush fund to try and bribe athletes to come to their campus. It's, that's laughably juvenile in comparison to what Baylor did and is ongoingly doing, and also what happened at Penn State.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously there's going to be a natural comparison to the Penn state situation, but, um, let's, you know, sticking on the field, at least for Matt rule. Um, I think, you know, we should take a look at how, uh, you know, I think that Matt rule and this Baylor recruiting class did surprisingly well on national signing day, given all of the uh, horrific things that have happened there over the past you know, half decade or so, uh, Coach, um, you're sort of our recruiting go-to guy. Um, is what would be sort of one thing that stuck out for you here on uh, after coming out of National
0: Signing Day? Well, uh, sticking with the uh, theme of the uh, talking about Baylor, I, I thought Matt Roll handled it tremendously. I thought he did what he needed to. He handed he handled it straight on, and you know he just he addressed it and said, "Hey, we're the we're the change that the university's trying to make and trying to clean this thing up." And he sold parents on that. He sold kids on that. And, you know, I, I think they bought his vision. And so we'll see what he's able to do with that. So I thought he did a tremendous job of just keeping things together and and making Baylor somewhat salvageable as a football program under the under the new regime. So there's going to be quite a quite a bit of work ahead of him. Um, there weren't a whole lot of surprises overall on tying day. Uh, you know, Marvin Wilson, I will steal your thunder a little bit, Matt, um, because really that's the only – Surprise, surprise that I was that I was shocked by. Uh, I thought he was LSU all the way. Um, especially with Ed Orgeron getting the head coaching job, I thought he was LSU all the way. Uh, ended up signing with the Noles. Huge gift for the Noles, literally and figuratively. Uh, they also got Cam Akers, so two of the top three players, ranked nationally by Rivals.com, so uh, huge day for the Noles. Uh, Alabama signing seven five-stars. No shock there. They do it every year, but Again, gotta commend them for that. Georgia coming in with their their best class in, in program history, uh signing two rivals five stars and about 18, four stars and, and uh signing twenty six overall. Uh the two premier the two premier players from that class have gotta be uh Richard LeCount, I think, and DeAndre Swift. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, um, is just the headliner of that group. Uh, not only did they feel need that the offensive line position, but he's, uh, he was one of the top guys in the country. So, uh, big ups to them. Uh, Miami came in surprisingly well. Um, you know, they, they signed a whole bunch of guys that, uh, they were kind of on the fence about. Uh, DJ Dallas is one that comes to mind, um, uh, as an athlete that'll, that intrigues me a lot because he played quarterback in high school at Glenn Academy down in, uh, down on the Georgia coast and, and uh, he's coming in as an athlete, and I think he can contribute to many different facets of the game. So I think that's probably one of the more intriguing prospects for the Hurricanes. So, you know,
1: one uh, class that really impressed me this year was Stanford. I know they're only ranked you know, 19th, but they got three guys including the top two offensive linemen in the country. That's going to be huge for Coach Shaw in the running game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you can bolster depth, up front, whether it be offense or defensive lines, I, I think that's, you know, that's what you got to do. So, and don't
1: forget um, about five star quarterback Davis Mills there from your home state.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, from, uh, he was at Greater Atlanta Christian. Um, I saw him at the five star challenge. Uh, he was, he was throwing darts. He's the quarterback that Stanford needs. He's the headliner of that group, obviously, and then the top two offensive linemen. They're going to be fine. I, I think there's a lot of panic going on about Stanford. Are they, are they falling back off? Are they getting back to, the stanford that we knew back in the 90s that was just kind of a joke of a program no they're, they're not davis mills is coming in he's uh he's he's one of the he's one of the better quarterbacks in this class do you think that um, he comes in
1: the starts as a freshman with Keller chris getting injured at the end of last season he's going to be out for spring ball
0: he uh, yeah, has a really good chance at it um you know i'll have a better idea in the fall when when, when he's uh or when we're doing our summer preview,
2: when he's, had to, when he's had spring practice under his belt, but I mean, I think he has—I think he has as, as great a shot as anybody, um, and I think he has the talent done to become a Is there any way for Christian McCaffrey to rethink his decision? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, if, every, if some, somehow every
0: NFL team says, "You know what." Nah, uh,
2: we're not going
0: And they
1: didn't they didn't bring in any running backs in this class either. They got a couple athletes who are probably going to line up uh especially Connor Weddington uh kid out of you know outside of Seattle. But still, you know, that's obviously going to be a huge hole for the Cardinal to fill, you know, in, in spring ball. And one thing that uh you know, I think we're seeing more and more as Um, you know, as the years go on in college recruiting is the, you know, guys uh, coming in early and early enrollees. And this, you know, I know obviously from following Wisconsin this year, they had the most early enrollees in their program's history with seven, uh, which is, you know, pretty astounding, especially when you consider that it's, you know, a a lot of guys who you think are going to be playing together and coach, you know, in these spring practices, how much benefit, how much more benefit do they get from early enrolling than they would if they just did a normal summer enrollment?
0: Well, I think the biggest benefit is the strength and conditioning program. I mean, they come in and they get the full program starting in January. So they go through the mat drills. They go through everything. They get bigger, stronger, faster. Every kid that I know that enrolls early comes back a month later 15 pounds heavier with a a ton of muscle. I mean, they look jacked up, ripped up, and and all the above. So... Uh, I, I think the most benefit comes from strength and conditioning, but I mean, anytime you can sit in on those meetings all off season, get exposed to the to the system, whether you're on offense, defense, or, or uh, maybe just a special team contributor, whatever the case may be, you're getting that exposure, you're getting that coaching. So, I mean, it's 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 extremely beneficial uh, for those guys, and I, I think it truly lends itself to saying that. Hey, you have a leg up, and uh, you know if I want to have a leg up and start as a freshman, I better enroll early. Which, which is why I think Matt the NCAA is uh, is going to pass unanimously with that early signing period, and I think that's going to help with early enrollees, and I think that's going to start a new trend.
1: Yeah, you know, and I know one guy that you know, you know, better than most recruits is a guy who's going to be early enrolling this year at LSU, and that's Jacoby Stevens from Murfreesboro. He is uh, considered the number one safety in the country, and he's a guy that I know you've coached at some camps. And, you, you know, have you talked to him about, at all, about what, you know, he's doing with his early enrollee process there at LSU? Well,
0: he's He's already down there. He's already moved. He's already in. He's already in the weight training program, and uh, I haven't seen any pictures of him. I haven't talked to him in the last couple of weeks, so I don't know how how well he's doing. But I imagine I imagine he's gotten a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot faster. And I imagine he's getting after it uh, just like his uh, teammates.
1: Yeah, it's and you know, uh, obviously as regime change comes, we get a lot of different changes in recruiting philosophy. And speaking of recruiting philosophy, Josh, I know you're sort of fed up with Iowa's. Uh,
2: uh, I mean, like, I know that uh, I know that this is coach's thing and this is he's an expert on it. And I think part of that has to be Georgia always gets an embarrassment of riches and you know, there's so much more talent down there in the South that he's worked one-on-one with. But um, you know, Corey and I probably agree on 90% of things about football, but the 10% we disagree on is is recruiting, and that's because I'm always a little skeptical. I've seen plenty of uh, big-name players kind of flame out; they can't handle the academics, or worst-case scenario, they get banged up. And I've seen plenty of players at Iowa and Wisconsin that come in as diamonds in the rough and put in the work for four years and come out, make it a pro career. So I'm always, I'm always dubious, especially when I look at like the Iowa blogs, talking up some two and three star kids we got, but there is one guy that I'm really, really intrigued about. And unfortunately I'm driving, so I can't pop up his name. So you might be able to do that for me, Matt, but they got the, uh, the 15th rated uh, athletic quarterback in the nation. And, When I look back at the Ferentz era, our best times were when uh, Ricky Stanzi was able to run around and when Brad Banks for one year as a JUCO transfer, another thing that probably doesn't get talked enough about in the whole recruiting process, Kansas state's made a living off of diamonds in the rough coming from the JUCO ranks. But uh, but Brad Banks came in from junior college and was a really, really mobile kid. And I'm, cautiously optimistic that Brian Ference, the new OC, remembers that, played with these guys, and is keyed in on having a quarterback that can actually move, because why would you not want to have a dual-threat quarterback? And 15th nationally, I don't know what he is overall for every quarterback ranked, but um, it's at least – Intriguing to me, to say the least.
1: Well, you guys also got AJ Apenza, who is one of the top thirty players in the country. He is a legacy; uh, his dad played a uh, defensive end, which is what he will be playing as well. And you got to imagine he's going to be able to come in and get some snaps immediately. I mean, he's yeah. Well, you know consider the, the last, number one defensive end in the country.
2: The last uh, highly touted legacy kid that we had uh, ever played and transferred after his freshman year to Arkansas. So. Um, I'm always skeptical when it comes to recruiting because I've seen enough crap for Iowa to not pan out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, you know, know, obviously some of the big-name programs that had uh, regime changes, if you will, um, you know, talking about – Oregon and Texas and those uh, schools, you know, obviously that's going to be a tough sell to recruits uh, when, once you're, you know, moving over that late in the recruiting game. So how do these guys sort of like keep, you know, keep the commits uh, committed to the university and, you know, risk or risk losing them to, uh, you know, where their former coaches may have gone? Well, I
0: mean, yeah, they, they've got a, it, it's a tough deal and, you know, they've got to accept the fact that they're probably going to take a few lumps in this this year's class. I know last year, Georgia went through this with Kirby Smart. I know, uh you know, Cal's going through this, Minnesota's going through this, uh, Oregon went through it to some degree, although they made a, they moved fairly quickly on uh, Willie Taggart. So, um, it doesn't help that Willie Taggart had, uh, you know, had all that issues with his strength and conditioning coordinator. So, um, so anyway, but I I think it's just all about building relationships, and you got to do that as quickly as. Uh, say, hey, we're going to coach up the guys we got. We're going to take our loves wherever we need to, and then we'll uh, we'll work on next year's class. So I think there's got to be some sort of acceptance of, okay, we're not going to be able to get everybody. Some people are going to leave. That's okay. We're going to backfill them, and we're going to do the best we can. So, you know, just a lot of sleepless nights, really.
1: Um, well, Josh, I mean, you and I last time talked about a a lot of these different coach hirings and, um, you know, I, you know, we want coach to weigh in on a couple of them, but, uh, Josh, you thought there were a couple that were, you know, pretty, uh, pretty rough. Remind me what your worst hire was.
2: Well, I, I think that our biggest concerns were the teams that just got total no names that, you know, had to had to dig deep, and some were like position coaches. And even though we talked him up because he's got Iowa and Wisconsin ties, and we're rooting for the best, but like Jay Norvell, he's was a offensive coordinator briefly earlier in his career, has since been just a position coach. And even though he's a talented recruiter, I mean, so was David Beatty. Like. So you're, if you're a fan of these schools that can't get someone who's a coordinator or can't get someone with head coaching experience like a Fleck or a Taggart, you really have an unknown. And that's, that's a scary proposition to be in because when you're Purdue and you're awful, you know it's just a matter of time before you fire your coach. But when you're a, a team with a totally brand spanking new coach who's never done it before, that's terrifying because you don't know if you have – the next great coach, or the next guy who's going to be fired after three or four years. I mean, that's the gamble you
0: take. I mean, it's it's if you're going to make the move to fire somebody, you know, that's that's the risk, and that's the risk involved, and you're you're pretty much putting all your eggs in, in the basket of hey, we're going to find somebody that's that we think is better, and then you know where, where I where I scratch my head is uh, these guys think. You know these ADs have an over-inflated sense of where their program actually is. Like Nevada, you know, hiring Jay Norvell. You know, I, would they not have been better off keeping their status quo? Would they? I, I don't know. You know, there's some that scratch your head and say, could they not do better than than a, than a
1: position coach? They you you, you than know that you know when Andy Ludwig turns you down that you're not in good shape.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Impressive. Uh, that's extremely impressive. So, uh, you know, you gotta scratch your head at some of these hires, and uh, and it's not necessarily, you know, that that guy's terrible. It's just, you know, what's his pedigree, and you know, that just shows where where you're at as a program. Hey, we, you know, we're relegated to. And no offense to Jay Norvell, I'm sure he's a fine coach, but you know, it just, I, I think you, I think you've got to have some sort of climbing the ladder about you, I man, I don't think you can jump straight from position coach to, to head coach and, and expect to have any success. I mean, I, I don't think they're setting him up very well either, so it's all very odd, and uh, one thing I learned about Nevada on signing day is that when uh, when I went to their website to pull their signing list to enter them into the database uh, for Rivals.com, um, I, I noticed that they're just not very quick about anything, and they just don't have a sense of urgency at all. It took them, you know, I, I think I, I followed, I looked at them on Twitter, and they were announcing live on Twitter. But their website, you know, they were extremely slow in getting those getting those recruits up and their bios up and things like that. And I had to wait till 9, 30, 10 o'clock before theirs was even uh, ready for me to uh, to look at. Because I, I can't necessarily go on Twitter because it's not necessarily official. I have to go to their official press release, so it just took a lot of time to do that. I just something about that just kind of threw me off about Nevada and the situation that that they're in,
2: and how I think Jay Norvell is maybe going to be in a little bit over his head. I don't know. Well, things just move a little slower in Reno. It is the world's largest, biggest city, or whatever they what's that weird thing they
1: call themselves. Uh, uh what is it? Uh, the, the littlest city in the world, or something like that, or the biggest like, little city in the world, or yeah.
2: Their, like, city slogan is a backhanded compliment. The
1: biggest little city stuff. in the world is uh, the, the the town slogan.
2: Well, you know, can't be that bad. They got legalized gambling. I'd coach there.
1: Um, yes, Josh, but I think that your priorities were you a coach uh, for picking a school would be very different than most people.
2: <laughs> hey, where's Coach at? Oh, he's, he's at the casino betting on <laughs> college football. There's no conflict of interest there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey where, where's Coach Cook at? Oh, he's, he's in the casino. He's playing the slot machines. Hey, as long as I don't bet on myself, I don't see what the problem is.
1: You and Pete Rose. Yeah.
2: I mean, it'd be, it'd be <laughs> a heck of an official visit to take the kids
0: to the casino.
1: Uh, if, I think if you're on the official visit, you might take them somewhere a little bit more R-rated than just the casino. Well, that's
0: That's for breakfast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Coach, quickly, uh, who are some, you know, who are some of the top recruits at let's maybe take some of the top programs in the country that could come, you know, come in and should be, you know, getting a lot of time right away. We talked about Marvin Wilson earlier, defensive tackle who signed with Florida State. He's a guy that is just an absolute mountain of an 18-year-old, you know, 6'4, 320, and he's built like a freaking house. He's a guy, you know, I hope to see early on in the defensive line rotation in Tallahassee. But uh, who do you think will come in and provide some of the biggest impact next year as a true freshman?
0: Uh, Jacoby Stevens uh, down at LSU. Uh, Jacob Phillips, another national product from the same camp organization that I worked with, a uh, linebacker for LSU. I think he has a good chance to start early. Isaiah Wilson uh, is going to be Georgia's starting left tackle next year. Uh, Richard LeCount for the Dogs. I think Cam Akers is going to start day one for the Knowles as well. Um, now
1: he's gonna be trying to replace uh, you know, the pretty uh pretty outstanding seasons that Dalvin Cook has had. Do you think he has the same kind of skill set in Akers?
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I watched his huddle and I thought he was better than Najee Harris, truthfully. Um Najee Harris is big and fast, he can do it all, but um, I think I think Najee Harris continues the trend of Derek Henry like I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get his braids to stick straight out like and pump and um, put them in a little bundle like uh, like Derek Henry did and Bo uh, Scarborough and Jalen Hurts and all that. They all they have the same hairdo. So um, you know, I think <laughs> you know, I, I think those are some of some of your impact guys there. Um, you know, I, I think you know, Davis Mills out of Stanford. I think he has a good chance of starting day one. Josh Palo out at USC has a good chance of starting
1: day one. Uh, coach, you know, one I, 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 a little closer to home for me and Josh, uh, We got a kid named Jack Cohn yeah, came in I, as a four-star quarterback. He's an early enrollee, and he should be pushing for time pretty immediately. I know you're a big fan of his.
0: Yes, I, I, I like Jack Cohn a lot. Um, I think he's going to come in and make a difference for, for the Badgers. Um, I think um, – well, there's, there's a lot of people. I, I think the trend now is, you know, I think true freshmen are starting to get more of a chance because they're more developed, you know. And uh, and, and I so think, I like, with, on and on and on and on. With,
1: well, with the amount of early enrollees who we're who seeing get early playing time, that's obviously a big factor, like we talked about. So, yeah. You know, you've got you've got to imagine that more developed kids, plus being able to get more development before fall camp starts, uh, would you know, even the playing field a little bit more for the true freshmen, so they're not just playing catch up right when they get on campus. Um, but um, you know, is there anything else that you guys uh, want to uh, throw out there, Josh?
2: Uh, well, I had two last things, but the first was a question uh, for Coach, and that is. Uh, Ole Miss seemed like they were really turning the corner and could potentially be something to take down Alabama. And the, the scandals a little bit for, for the coaching staff have resulted in a pretty disappointing recruiting class. Do you think I uh, think Ole Miss and the Hugh Freeze era is is nearing the end if they can't win recruiting battles? Is this like is this the first sign maybe of Stuff happening down in Oxford and a lot of falling out. Yeah, you know, one of the uh, one of the cliche sayings I could I could
0: give you right now uh, that I really actually kind of hate to say, but it's the first cheek in the armor, it's the first sign of, of the end of the Hugh Freeze era. I, I think that when you fall off that far in recruiting, something's wrong. Uh, you know, something is, you know, parents aren't buying into what you're saying. The kids aren't buying into what you're saying. The lace breathing down your neck, so they see that, and they're terrified of that. They don't want to sign up to, to go on four years of probation. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of factors involved there, and I I think you Breeze is, you know, he's got to he's got to win big this year, or I, or I think it's the end of the road for him.
1: Well, you know, speaking of how bad this Mississippi class is, uh, you know. One thing, two things stand out to me. First of all, the only teams worse than them on rivals are Missouri and Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, when you've got Kentucky and Mississippi State and South Carolina all ahead of you, uh, that is, you know, big reason to worry. When you were the number three recruiting class in the conference last year and number one in the country a couple of years back when you had Jadavian Clowney, So, you know, they are obviously trending in the wrong direction. But they do have uh, some hope as, uh, you know, they had a true freshman quarterback who played last year and looked pretty good in doing so uh, before he broke his arm. But uh, he's coming back uh, in uh, Jefferson, I believe. Right, Coach? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I would imagine that they have, you know, you you would think that some of the talent that they got in years past would really start coming to fruition in this coming year. And maybe this is just a one-year uh blip down uh while you know the allegations and you know issues were were stemming but uh, you know we'll, obviously we'll have to see and Josh what was your second item you had
2: yeah the second thing that I just wanted to say I'm pretty sure I've said it well, every time we do a, a show that is uh the player that always makes me cautiously skeptical with recruiting and, and all that just you know you never know how these careers are gonna pan out has to be one of my favorite players of all time from my favorite Iowa team Dallas Clark walk on linebacker from eight man football in a tiny farm town called Livermore, Iowa worked his way up to and even switched positions to tight end, wins the back has an NFL career as a Super Bowl ring. Uh, it don't let you know, for all the top five-star kids, don't let that rating go to your head. And for all the people that couldn't do or whatnot, just work your tails off. It, the, the sport is so much about work ethic than anything else, especially in the physical positions, like on your line and tight ends and stuff. It, work ethic goes a really long way in this sport.
1: I mean, that's one of the main things you look for in kids when you're coaching them, right, Corey?
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I, I tell them that all the time. It doesn't matter how you get there. It matters what you do when you get there. And, and that's the message I say. And, um, and the only other message I tell them is, you know, get your academics up because without that, you know, you've got really nothing to fall back on. So um, I, I think that's good. I, I, You know, even though I work for a company that thrives on – Stars and how many stars you have here and how many stars you have there it really truthfully doesn't matter you know it, it doesn't matter because uh, one of my favorite recruiting stories is actually um, he was NFL comeback player of the year last year. Um, he toured ACL three times, plays linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. name is Thomas Davis. He was uh, he was nothing in high school. He was the only offer he had was from Grambling.
2: Um,
0: he was no stars. Um and Brian Van Gorder, uh the defensive coordinator at the time, was uh was down to see somebody else. They were playing uh Thomas Davis' high school. And Thomas Davis uh he was a quarterback, linebacker, safety, uh kicker, punter, head coach, athletic director, and principal <laughs> at Mary at Mary Purston's High School. Um uh, and Van Gorder was watching the game, and Thomas Davis threw an interception. Well, the guy thought he had a pick six, and as he's running down the field, uh, Van Gorder spots this blur come flying to the ball carrier and absolutely just destroys him uh, and decapitates him, really. Uh, and it's Thomas Davis, and he he looked at his program, and goes, "Who who in the hell is that?" And so he he went back you know, to Athens and thought about it and came back down to see Thomas Davis at a basketball game because Thomas Davis played uh, point guard, center, power forward, uh, was the head coach there, too, and uh, (laughs) was the one that swept the floor. So um, he saw him him take off and go coast-to-coast and slam dunk it. Well, after the game, he said, Thomas Davis, my name is Brian Van Gorder. I'm the defensive coordinator at the University of Georgia. I would like to offer you a scholarship. The rest is history. He he became – one of the most feared safeties in the SEC. He was responsible for taking out three Alabama quarterbacks on consecutive plays with <laughs> a safety blitz. Um, one of the, one of them being uh, Brody Croyle, who came into the game injured, uh, didn't start. But because his backup got injured, he was he was on emergency status, so they brought him in. He got injured. They brought the third guy in. He got injured, and uh, and I think they put I think they were down to their fifth guy. So. Um, he got drafted into the NFL. I can't remember what round, but you know, the rest is history. We know, we know the Thomas Davis story, uh, from, from that point on, um, was a super bowl runner up last year with the Carolina Panthers. Um, David Pollock is another one. I'll, I'll be brief with that one. He was a two star fullback coming out of Shiloh High School in Georgia. Uh, was a preferred walk on at the University of Georgia. They said, Hey, Pollock. You're not going to play fullback. Why don't you give defensive end a try? And he did, and uh, he got drafted in the first round. And uh, unfortunately, his career was cut short with a with a neck injury. And uh, you now see him on ESPN College Game Day. So, uh,
2: two guys
0: that could have said, "You know what? I wasn't really recruited all that well." Uh, whatever.
1: Well, you know what, Coach i i want to finish uh, I want to finish this off uh, on a, a a perfect connection to that. Uh, my favorite walk on of all time at the University of Wisconsin and newly hired defensive coordinator, Jimmy Leonard. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he, he is 5'8, a buck 55, soaking wet. And he only, you know, he was a walk on, had no offers. Is that
2: undersized up, for football?
1: Uh, maybe just a little bit. Had uh, no offers coming out of uh, tiny uh, Tony, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, even though he had been a first-team All-State performer um, all four years and, uh, and, you know, All-State player, uh, no one gave him a look at all. He walked on to Madison, didn't even earn a scholarship until his senior year, which was twice after he had been first-team All-Big Ten and first-team All-American. Uh, he set the conference record for interceptions, sorry, school record for interceptions with 21 in his career and also held the Big Ten conference record for career punt return yards with 1,347. He was one of my favorite all-time Badgers to watch play. Um, And then he was, uh, as a professional, spent uh, most of his uh, seasons on my favorite team, the Buffalo Bills. So he is someone who has always been uh, near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to say congratulations to, to Jim being the new defensive coordinator at his alma mater after being in coaching for less than a calendar year. Uh, You know, it was this time last year that he was brought on as a defensive backs coach uh, right after he had been out of football uh, for a year. And he is now the defensive coordinator, and things are very promising for him. So another kid who, you know, came in undersized, walked on, worked his butt off, and is, you know, now one of the most revered, you know, Badgers in recent memory and integral to the team going forward.
0: Very nice. Uh, I was getting ready to rave about uh, Jim Leonard. The guy was a defensive coordinator as a player. Let's, let's, let's be honest. He was, uh, he was the guy sitting in the defensive backfield direct traffic. I remember him uh, more when he was with the Jets. Uh, sorry, Matt, but I remember him more when he was with the Jets. Uh, he kind of ran their defense. He was kind of an extension of Rex Ryan out there. Um, just directing everybody so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he, he had been with Rex
1: in Baltimore and went to New York with Rex, basically, to be his eyes on the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, love that hire for Paul Chris. I think that, you you know, you keep a guy like Jim Leonard on your staff, that's going to pay huge dividends. And uh, I, I think the learning curve for him is not going to be as steep as maybe other inexperienced coordinators because he has all that pro experience. He has uh you know, he has all that those leadership qualities that we like and, and he knows how to grind. He knows how to work hard. He knows how to be the underdog. And he's definitely the underdog right now on paper. Uh, but we you know we all know and, and knowing what kind of person he is and uh with all being well Wisconsin uh Badger alumni uh know more so than me what kind of a player he was, what kind of a football mind he is. So, you know, sky's the limit for Jim Leonard. I, You know, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be at Wisconsin very long. Uh, he's going to be leading the program within the next two, three years. So uh, big things ahead for Jim Leonard. Love
2: that hire. Absolutely love it. Well, the thing about Jim Leonard, and I think you would agree, Matt, too, is as awesome as those defenses were to see with Justin Wilcox at Dave Miranda we sort of had like some worries about our back line. I know Sojourn Shelton's kind of a home runner, strikeout player where he'd make a credible play on the ball or felt like he had a busted coverage. And last year with Jimmy Leonard coaching up that secondary, I didn't get that feeling. I thought Shelton was a much more rounded player. I there was a reason he was a first was, team was was all conference
1: better. corner this past year because yeah. he didn't get burned once deep.
2: Yeah, and, and he I was I think able a lot to. Keep Oh yeah, uh, that goes to Jimmy Leonard.
1: Absolutely, the, the the defensive backs were the most improved unit on the team this year. There was a lot of worry coming in, three new starters, and they were simply outstanding. Tied the school record for most interceptions in the season. Uh, just, uh, a lot of ball hawks, a lot of very sure tacklers they have to replace, uh, you know, a bunch of guys this year, uh, especially at uh, the safety position, but, um, you know, uh, they're expecting big things from a former, uh, four-star recruit, uh, out of Georgia. Um, but you know, it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be fun to watch fun to, uh, you know, see how he takes the badger defense forward, what kind of schemes he will be, um, you know, looking at, uh how much is he going to change the three, four that's there? How much is he going to, you know, um, keep it in place or tinker with it and, you know, change it up a little bit. But, um, that is going to be all for us today here on a legal motion. So we want to thank you all for, uh, joining us to, uh, end the recruiting season. So we'll be back to you next week with some more off-season topics and uh, hope that you all have a fabulous first weekend of February on behalf of the coach somewhere in between Nashville and Atlanta and on behalf of our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting somewhere between Chicago and Iowa City. This is Professor Matt Perkins saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
0: Falcons, rise up!